And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Help us, Robot Cop! Someone's robbing the bank! Welcome to No Dunks. I'm Tass Mellis for some summertime fun here in the Classic Factory at the desk solo, but flying this plane as always. It's Super Producer JD. Hello. What's up, JD? And joining us from Las Vegas, where I saw her 10 days ago, and she's still there. Oh, my God. Yes, Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina is a women's basketball staff writer for The Athletic. Sabrina, thank you for joining us, and how are you holding up? I'd like to point out that I did go home in oh, between I the last time that. you saw me. Currently. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I live in Los Angeles regularly, so easy trip back home. I just happened to still be back here for WNBA All-Star, so yeah. I'm not a total Vegas degenerate, but I certainly feel like it sometimes. <laughs> well, awesome. Congrats that you got to go home. Uh, you are there, as you said, to cover the WNBA All-Star Game. You saw Sabrina Ionescu, and you covered it for The Athletic. Dropped 25 of 27 shots, 20 straight, three balls, an NBA record, a WNBA record, all that. And she called out Steph for a shootout. So we'll get to that. We'll get to Kelsey Plum asking for tickets. We'll get to Wade buying a stake in the Chicago sky. We'll talk about the aces and Liberty and whether their dominance is good for the game. But first, when the NBA in-season tournament was announced, I thought this is kind of like the commissioner's cup for the WNBA. So I asked you, is it similar enough to have a discussion about it, to learn something from the WNBA's route here the last couple seasons through the tournament? You said yes. And I said, yes. All right, let's have a discussion. So overall, the commissioner's cup in its third year here, just a general question. Do you deem it a success thus far? The way the Las Vegas Aces celebrated when they won last year um, was literally 80% of what they celebrated when they won the actual WNBA title. Mm. So I think so. Yeah, definitely success, especially considering that the prize pool is more than what WNBA players win for actually winning a WNBA title. So when you have that much money involved for a league that uh, is already working to increase its salary and compensation – it's definitely going to be something that players look forward to. And it was interesting. I was listening to the old man in the three with uh, JJ Reddick and Gabe Vincent said that like prizes that he got for making the finals with Miami last year are less than what he would get for winning the NBA cup this year. So I think a uh, similar compensation is uh, coming the NBA's way too. Yeah, that's a great point about the NBA players and their compensation, because it's going to be 500,000 per player for the winning team, which most people just generally say, ah, oh, NBA players make so much money. They don't care about that. But looking up and down a roster, I'd say half the players uh, would be excited to get a huge bonus. Uh, that's it, it would mean something to, to win $500,000. So you think the financial incentive, although it's far lower, this year it's thirty k per member of the winning team uh, for the WNBA, is a financial incentive for these players. Yeah, absolutely. Because even though it's far lower than you know the NBA incentive, the maximum salary in the WNBA is about two hundred and forty thousand. 
So 30K is still an eighth of that. It's still a big chunk of money. And you've heard a lot of veterans, especially talk about how much it means to them to be able to give their rookies or their teammates on rookie contracts, which generally range from like 70 to 80,000, a chance to add a lot more money to their pockets in the event that they win this. Okay. So the players seem like they care. Uh, as you said, like 80% of the, uh, the, the, the vibe of, of the finals, uh, mm-hmm. in a, in a general way, do you think fans care about it? I'm not sure fans are totally aware of what's happening at any point in the commissioner's cup. And I think that's where the NBA really improved upon the WNBA's execution, because the thing that's most similar is that the games are regular season games in the group stage. So they count for both commissioner's cup standings and for regular season standings, but they're so spread out in the WNBA schedule and they don't all occur on any one given night or have any particular branding associated with them. Other than if you go on the WNBA.com page, there's like a little cup next to the schedule, like icon mm-hmm. on their, you know, scores list. So I think it's, it's hard for fans to figure out when the games are happening, unless you just check the commissioner's cup standings later And I'm not sure that all of the broadcast partners have done the best job of highlighting the fact that it's a Commissioner's Cup game during the course of the action, especially because, you know, the WNBA sold the Commissioner's Cup rights to Amazon and there's like 7,000 other providers that carry WNBA games. So they're not all incentivized to be talking about it all the time. Uh, Like just this year, you know, the WNBA had actually the Eastern Conference representative for the Commissioner's Cup come down to the very last game of the first half of the regular season and it happened at like nine o'clock AM on a camp day game in New York. And it was just not a super big deal. Right. So I think similarly, the NBA, which, uh, as you said, like the WNBA, the regular season games just kind of overlap with, uh, the tournament games. They're just one in the same, but then they hit in the NBA, a semifinal and final that take place in Las Vegas, where it's this big to do. Uh, and that is the game that, as you said, in the Commissioner's Cup, the, the finals game, which is sort of on its own, is not a regular season game, is the one that stands right. out. So I, I think similarly, that's what will happen in the NBA. Okay, there are these other games, although the NBA, as you said, kind of planned it a little bit better. They're on Tuesday nights and they're on Friday nights for this group play. Uh, and and then once they get to the semifinals and the finals, yeah, there's a, there's a bigger sort of yeah, there's, there's bigger drama around it. There will be things happening. Although the WNBA doesn't have a neutral site game for its final. So how do you think that'll play out in the NBA, which will take place in Las Vegas? So it's interesting because the first time the Commissioner's Cup was introduced to the WNBA in 2021, they did have a neutral site game for the final. It was staged in Phoenix. And it was sort of like the welcome back for the WNBA season when they came back from the Olympic break in 2021. And because Phoenix was not involved in the Commissioner's Cup final, it was between Seattle and Connecticut, uh, there wasn't exactly the same sort of excitement that you'd hope for for a game that is featuring arguably two of the best teams in the league. So I, I understand the the you know the incentive to go back to a host team, you know, it gives a little bit more incentive to win games in the standings. Like, you know, this year Las Vegas is hosting it because they had more wins than New York, who's the Eastern Conference representative. Um, I just think scheduling wise, the WNBA kind of has to do it for the host city because there's already so much arena unavailability that the league has to deal with that. I mean, once you have a team that's in it, you kind of just want to be able to sell tickets for that specific team. And frankly, the WNBA hosts its best events in Las Vegas anyway. So it's kind of a good thing that it's here this year. (laughs) 
Uh, do you plan on going back uh, in August? Uh, are you that I much of a degenerate? How many how many days are you stay in for this time? Not obviously not ten. Um, you know, it might actually be ten. The Vegas what? Aces are in the middle of a five-game homestand with the Commissioner's Cup kind of slapped in the middle of it, um, and two of those games are going to be against New York Liberty. So I'll be here for uh, quite a bit. Oh wow. Uh, Aces Liberty, that, that is big stuff. We'll, we'll get to them and, and their dominance in the league uh, a little bit later. But first, just back to the tournament. I know uh, new Milwaukee Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin said that this tournament could be sort of a, a, a good little stepping stone, good experience for the younger players in his rotation that haven't had a lot of playoff experience. Have WNBA coaches used the Commissioner's Cup as playoff experience have they changed the rotations to play some of their younger players will we potentially see that in the in-season tournament in the nba uh literally no wnba coach has ever talked about changing the rotation during the commissioner's cup because they're all they're all regular season games and there are 10 commissioner's cup group stage games in the wnba that's actually kind of one of the things that i like better about the nba's version because when you have 10 games out of 40 that count for the commissioner's cup you're basically just getting the very best teams in the league in the cup and i think in the nba version we're going to have some inherent randomness with only four group stage games where like just because these two teams are projected to make the finals doesn't mean they're most likely to meet up in the NBA cup final as mm. well. Uh, so because like there's so much of the regular season at stake with these commissioners cup games, you just don't see a lot of mixing and matching with the rotation. And then there's no like quarterfinals or semifinals. There's only one big final. So it's only one additional game that they have to play and you kind of just go balls out in that game. Yeah, that's a great point that the uh, regular season uh, is essentially, yeah, 25% of the regular season is this tournament. It matches up with, mm-hmm. with the Commissioner's Cup group play. Well, in the NBA, as you said, it's four of 82 games as far as the group yeah. group play goes. So it's far different. So maybe the rotations are different. Uh, Adrian, yeah. Adrian Griffin throwing that out there uh, because it doesn't mean as much. And maybe the lights will be brighter in a neutral site in Las Vegas. So that could help some of uh, the younger players. But what is similar is that one game in the championship doesn't count for the standings. Same right. thing Same thing as the NBA. Just that one particular game. Those two teams will play 83 games this coming season. Has there been any mm-hmm. complaints about that? What's the, what's the vibe around that part of it? Yeah, so... As I mentioned in 2021, the first year they did this, it was right after the Olympic break. So those two teams had to come back a little bit earlier. Uh, And then you saw uh, Seattle actually sit its two stars, Brianna Stewart and Superbird, for a couple games after the Commissioner's Cup to start the regular season because they had just played in Tokyo for the Olympics. Uh, And, um, you know, the Seattle coaches were not thrilled about that. But at the same time, like, I have to imagine that they would be sitting their best players for a little bit after the Olympics, regardless of whether there was a cup or not. I know Vegas complained about it a little last year because they had to go on an additional road trip to play in Chicago for the cup final last year. And their travel schedule around the all-star break was already pretty hellacious as is. Uh, The Liberty, thank goodness, uh, are already in Vegas for another game uh, that happens to be two days after the commissioner's cup, just a regular season game. So travel will not be too like extenuating for either of these teams. Uh, the cadence of 40 games within the WNBA regular season is something that I've looked into, actually, because this is the longest regular season that the WNBA has had so far. And there are some teams that are complaining just like about the lack of practice time. And with commercial traveling, it's it's getting a little hectic. Um, adding one more game, I'm sure, is something that nobody's exactly thrilled about. But this is literally the best case scenario that could have happened because Vegas is already on this extended homestand and New York was already coming. 
Okay, well, on the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces, it, it is amazing that they uh, are, are, like you said, uh, within sort of a, a, ser- a season series as the the, the yeah. game the game comes up, and it's interesting that it is more of a uh, potential mirror of the the finals a little bit later on. Those two teams feel like they are destined to play in the WNBA Finals as this the super teams that loaded up in the off season. How do you see it uh, as a just sort of as a as a, a WNBA fan and writer? Is it a good or bad thing that super teams are now headlines of the WNBA and are on a crash course for the finals? Yeah, you know the WNBA is kind of littered with super teams throughout its history. Like we had the Houston Comets winning the first four titles, led by you know Hall of Famers Cynthia Cooper, Cheryl Swoops, and Tina Thompson for the first part of the league. And then you had Lisa Leslie and the Los Angeles Sparks who weren't exactly a super team, but are also the last ones to repeat. Um, then you had these Lynx Sparks rivalries in the early 2010s with the Lynx maybe having the greatest starting five ever assembled up until this current Las Vegas Aces team against a Sparks team with Candace Parker, Chelsea Gray, who happened to be on this Las Vegas Aces team and a couple other great players in Neko Gumake and Christy Tolliver. So, you know, super teams have just, they've been a thing in the WNBA for as long as the league has existed. It just sort of happens when you have 12 teams that the concentration of talent on any one given team is going to be pretty prodigious. I think the difference with the way the Liberty were created this year and frankly, how part of the aces were created is such of it happened through free agency. And this is the first time really within the last couple of years that the WNBA has been able to have any sort of off season magic at all because free agents are actually able to change teams. And we get the drama of talking about, player movement and player agency and all of the good stuff that comes with, you know, NBA off season, which, uh, you know, depending on how much you like that, you can take it or leave it. But I think it's uh, inarguably good for the WNBA to have that conversation during the off season. You know, I, I quibble with the characterization of the Liberty as a super team because they, they obviously signed like a, a great amount of talent during the off season and traded for John Quill Jones, but the gap between them and the aces is still to me so significant that, it's like Ace's super team and then everybody else kind of in a separate tier. Mm. <laughs> and, and the Connecticut Sun. Um, sure. I, I guess, yeah, I guess the the gap between the Aces and the Liberty far bigger than the Liberty and the Sun, I imagine. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to hear about what you're covering there, the All-Star Game festivities. Um, hopefully we got you here before you catch a flight. Cause I'm sure you want to get the heck out of there. Uh, no offense. That's um, the plan. <laughs> <laughs> what time's the flight? Do we got time here? I know we caught you. Oh, we got plenty of time. Oh, we got plenty of time. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to the, the ticketing issue, Wade buying in, uh, to the Chicago sky and a whole lot more, but first a word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, we are back with Sabrina Merchant. 
women's basketball staff writer for The Athletic. Jewel Lloyd dropped 31, won All-Star Game MVP the day before Sabrina Ionescu put on a show, an incredible show. She missed the first one in the three-point contest, then banged home 20 straight, only missing two shots of her 27 uh, in the three-point contest. Uh, And then what I loved, (laughs) she went on Twitter uh, and, and hit up Steph Curry. Shootout, Steph! Me and you, let's do this. Uh, were there any rumblings in Las Vegas about a potential UNESCO Steph Curry three-point contest in the future? You know, Steph is uh, pretty wrapped up in that golf championship he yeah. took part of this weekend. <laughs> uh, really aggressive celebrations from Steph on the golf course this weekend. Yeah, hole in one. So no. No, yeah. no, no rumblings? I, uh, I've yet to hear anything about that, but... You know, I always think about NBA All-Star Weekend and how they use WNBA players in their participation. And I've always kind of hated that the WNBA players are in the celebrity game. I think it Absolutely. kind of demeans what they're capable of, right? Like, Because they're not really trying in a celebrity game. And then they don't excel in a celebrity game. And it looks like, oh, WNBA players can't even beat random celebrities at basketball. Um, but if you just brought Sabrina to the three-point shootout this week, like this year, I don't see why that would be a problem. I mean, we have it in... College McDonald's All-American Weekend, the women play against the men in three-point shootout at the very end. They have, like, in the dunk contest occasionally. I think shooting-wise, it's probably the best way to have WMA players compete against NBA players. And, I mean, 37, like, that's six higher than Steph has ever hit in a three-point shootout. So, I think Steph would do just fine there. Yeah, uh, 37 points out of 40. That's a ridiculous number. Uh, And I do think Steph said something on Twitter about her being yeah ridiculous or, or whatever she mm-hmm. said or whatever he said i should say but he was busy uh winning a celebrity golf tournament uh as you said did you want to say something about the the 37 uh out of 40 you know it's funny because she missed the first one so you kind of lose track of the fact totally. that something ridiculous is happening uh because like it's not perfect right away but yeah. then she just kept hitting and hitting and hitting and i i feel like it's the only time i've ever seen someone hit like a full money rack and the two starry balls, which I can't believe I'm actually saying those words aloud, uh, but the two three pointers or whatever, you know, the, the long distance ones. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because we, you know, we talked about Aces Liberty and there is, there's definitely like the, the rumblings of a rivalry being created between Las Vegas and New York among the fans, uh, just because New York is like the team that has the best chance of dethroning Las Vegas this year. And so Sab isn't exactly like the most popular player around the league, especially not in Las Vegas. And even then, like, you couldn't help but just get so hyped in that crowd for what she was doing because it was just, it was insane. Like, you know, again, I don't even think she's like the most popular player, but when you're witnessing that kind of greatness, everyone was just losing their minds. And we've got three point great Allie Quigley, who's won three or four three point shootouts in attendance and like who's announced her retirement from the event. And everyone's asking her if she's going to come back. And she's like, nobody's ever freaking breaking this. Like, why would I try to come back and break this? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, I totally feel you on losing track of the number. I've watched it like six times, just mm-hmm. trying to understand. Uh, <laughs> missing the first one and then and then the 20 straight. Um, yeah, it was including those starry balls. Is, yeah, I don't want to say it either. But uh, yeah, she stepped up and, and hit those 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 long distance ones in her uh, her 20 straight. It was a, a great show. And it, like you said, um, they could easily be part of Saturday night. Uh, why the heck not? Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, we always complain about the skills challenge here on yeah. the show. 
the the WNBA one was far more entertaining. They they wanted it a heck of a lot more. Uh, Sabrina uh, lost that, and she said she wanted some revenge in the three point contest. I mean, we can scrap the the skills challenge on Saturday night yeah, in the so. NBA, right? Um, make it a longer three point contest or whatever. Uh, we absolutely don't need it. So I would like to see Sabrina Ionescu. Against Steph, and we always have sort of these gimmicky, like these random. I shouldn't say gimmicky, but like there have like been gimmicky. Brian Smith versus Draymond Green or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like uh, Dick Bavetta racing Charles Barkley, you know that kind, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we should. We I should... think the time is there on Saturday night to add uh, Sabrina Unescu taking seventy seconds to shoot three pointers. <laughs> the time is there. You're totally right. Yeah, just yeah. J- just the. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was just the skills challenge and the three point contest on Friday night. Uh, correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. WNBA took care of business, got everybody out of the building. Um, so, yeah, we can manage our time a little bit better as well on the Saturday night. Anyways, aside from that, l- let's move to uh, to Saturday night, the All Star Game, WNBA All Star Game. I know Kelsey Plum tweeted a couple days before that she was having some problems getting some tickets. She hit up Commissioner Kathy Engelbert and said, "What's up? Uh, I know you wrote about it." On The Athletic, what has been the fallout from that tweet, Kelsey, asking for more tickets? You know, it kind of just seemed like bad communication from the league and the players because all of the players who reached out to the union or to the league were able to get tickets for themselves. And every All-Star got, you know, four tickets for their family members and two additional tickets for each Friday event that they participated in. Uh, Admittedly, like, four tickets as an All-Star seems a little light, you know, when there are only 22 all-stars, but it is a you know building that only seats about 10,000 and you're trying to incorporate as many fans as possible. So I get like why they tried to limit it. I think they probably stand to give the players a few more tickets than just four. Uh, you know, I, I give the WNBA grief for a lot of different things with its messaging and communication. I, I don't think this one is really entirely on them. It just seems like uh, the players didn't really know where to go. And once they knew where to go, they were able to get the tickets. Like Alicia Clark, Kelsey Plum's teammate, who was the one that was suggesting that she didn't have a ticket to the game right away. Like I saw her everything. She was there with multiple other WNBA players. They had no problem getting in. So, you know, it was, I think it was a bigger deal than it needed to be, but that's just kind of what happens when a, a league that is uh, historically been uh, not great at dealing with its players uh, just has another thing come up. Yeah. Taken to Twitter just to uh, voice some displeasure. Sometimes it doesn't work all that well, but I, I saw, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, like, Nick Agumake basically saying, I talked mm-hmm. to the PA, we got it done, no problem. Uh, so, yeah. so, yeah, there's got to be a Slack channel or something, you know, where uh, <laughs> things are voiced rather than uh, on Twitter. Well, uh, we saw our man Dwayne Wade uh, buying an ownership stake in the WNBA Chicago Sky uh, this past week. Very excited for him, hometown. He uh, he obviously has plans. Um, there was There was... The rumors when he visited a, a practice in June, and, and now it's come to fruition, uh, and he seems like a very hands-on person. So do you think there will be any near-term effects of Wade buying into the Sky? You know, the main thing that the Chicago Sky need is really a dedicated practice facility uh, where they practice is this public gym that other people can just come into, and they don't have like a locker or a storage or anything there, and they share an arena with the DePaul college basketball team. So just facilities wise uh it's not super exciting to go play for the sky when you could choose another team like let's say the new york liberty where they have their own dedicated space in barclays center and they play in a real nba arena and you know there's 
room for like 17,000 fans to come on any given night. Uh, I don't know how much space there is in the city of Chicago for Dwayne Wade to actually like fund like the construction of new places for the sky to exist. Um, I do wonder if like his money can actually just help create better relationships with maybe United Center or other places that are already built for the sky to have like a more comfortable relationship. So they don't again, have to practice in public places where anybody can just come through. I think that's kind of the number one thing that free agents have sort of cited about Chicago when like this mass exodus left over the summer and even James Wade, their head coach just left recently to become an assistant with the Toronto Raptors. So if he can just help at all in like professionalizing the infrastructure of the Chicago sky, I think that would be a really big step towards putting them on equal footing with some of the other teams in the league. Yeah, it's a great point. It has to be done. And, uh, mm-hmm. There's lots of room in Chicago. I'm not a, an expert on the ground in Chicago, but we've been there, JD. Uh, seemingly, there's sure. there's lots of space. I, yeah. I think. <laughs> Get it done, uh, D-Wade. I've heard some other front office people around the league complain that, like Las Vegas, it's so easy to find room in Henderson, Nevada, to build like the sprawling practice facility that the Aces did. Right. And just the permitting would be so much harder in some of the other cities. But you know, you got money, just just do it. You know. That's yeah. Uh yeah, we're not urban planners here, but uh yeah, we can uh I think I think D Wade can get it done. And uh mm-hmm. yeah, he's uh he's obviously extremely passionate about anything he sets his mind to. So um I I mean I'm guessing that a practice <laughs> facility will be built. I don't have D Wade's pocketbook or his uh his ledger, but I think uh he's got the ability uh to do that. So I will uh, let you go, Sabrina, because I know you got you got flights to catch. Sure. Uh, it's uh, as you said, it's damn early in Las Vegas. There's nobody walking around. Zero. The pool is entirely empty right now. It's a it's a wild state. <laughs> uh, and that's why I was uh, excited to get on because I knew the Wi-Fi would be far less occupied right now at <laughs> uh, eight a.m. 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. So, uh, Serena Merchant, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to catch all her stuff over at The Athletic. Again, uh, she has written already about uh, Serena Ionescu plus uh, the plum tweet and uh, and all that stuff. So thank you uh, so much, Serena, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. All right. As far as uh, No Dunks goes this week, I will be back on Wednesday with an episode of No Bunts. Check out The Athletic Baseball Show feed For that, the No Dunks crew will be back Thursday for an episode of Squad. That's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, that episode where we draft things. Fruit fruit is on the list. Fruit will be drafted, and a guest will be joining us. That's right. Is it a secret guest, or...? It's not a secret guest. I think if you've been listening to the show, and fruit is a great hint. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah. Done and done. Actually, uh, Sabrina reminded me of, of something we used to do at the end of the season, uh, back in the starters days. Uh, she said, uh, are you guys going to do one of those uh, trivia wrap-up shows? Mm. There was a term for it. There was a word for it. She remember the, the title of it. It was like the Immaculate Trivia Show or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was you you and Lee versus uh, Trey and Skeets usually, right? Yeah. Where we answered questions about the previous season. That's right. And yeah, it's all coming back to me now. And we actually hired Andrew under Andrew Andre- Unterberger to right. uh, to write the questions and they were epic questions. They were. That was a good time. Yeah, uh, maybe we should do it again. I don't know. If somebody wants to do the work cuz it's some work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. 
Uh, and, and, and plus, maybe Andrew's up for it. You never know. You know. Plus, we're into summer fun here, so it feels like <laughs> you know we want to dabble elsewhere, right? Like we did uh, for part of a King's Reign, a new multi-series podcast by the talented, talented people at the Athletic, covering the life, career, and impact of LeBron James. The first episode in the series dropped today, July seventeenth, covering young LeBron. Episodes drop daily. Hours. Drops in the Athletic NBA, NBA show feed. I can't talk. Friday, July 21st. So that's where you can find it. Plus, if you want something to listen to right this second, Is This Good? From Matteo and JD discussing the best and worst summer activities with Ryan Nanny. Find it on the Is This Good? YouTube and podcast feeds. JD, uh, any tease from that show? Uh, we go through 10 summer activities. Um, and ask whether they're good or not. And uh, Ryan was a delight. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's on YouTube and your favorite podcast catcher now. Mm, podcast catcher. Podcast podcatcher, pod I guess you'd call it. Yeah, podcatcher. Yeah. Catching all pods. All right, you can catch the rest of our pods later this week. Again, thank you to Sabrina Merchant for joining us for JD, for myself. Holy cow, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.